Welcome to Your Team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. And we are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. And today we have a special episode featuring a selection of experts who will be joining us for Destination College, a comprehensive course for navigating the college process. So you might hear it first, right here, right now. We have put together an extraordinary summit that we're facilitating at Your Teen Media. It's an eight-week virtual series starting on March 9th, 2021, every Tuesday night at 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific Time. It's never too early to start planning for college. If your child is in middle school or months away from graduating high school, you're going to benefit from this. You'll definitely learn from our experts. They are the top in their fields. I know that Steph and I would have really appreciated this information when we first embarked on the college process with our kids. We really deeply, deeply appreciate what these experts are going to bring to the table. And even though we're done with the college process with our own kids, we have learned so much and we know it will be invaluable for all of you. So Steph, why don't we tell them what we wish we'd known? (laughs) So many things, right? Uh, (laughs) What do I wish I had known? You know what I wish right now? You know, we just got done with the third one. I wish I was attending this with all three in front of me (laughs) with just good information. I wish I had known more to tune out more of the noise around me and really focus more on the experts than the, what would I call it? Maybe the rhetoric or the noise, for lack of a better word, which probably goes with the rest of parenting, you know, like just looking at the kid in front of you and thinking about what's good for that kid and being able to realizing that you were helping your whole family out if you could tune out a lot of it. So the noise of the people around you. Yeah. And just like, you know, and and I think it's true for all of parenting, right? Like, well, it seems like every kid is doing blah and every kid is doing bloody blah, right? And instead just saying like, okay, This is what my kid, who my kid is and what my kid needs and not worry about the rest, which I think is really hard to do now. I think it just keeps getting harder and harder, frankly. What I wish I had known was that with my first kid, and I didn't, I don't think I repeated it quite as much with the other kids, but with my first kid, I had a really hard time thinking about rejection. I don't know, somehow... I didn't know how we would recover from rejection. And when I say we, I mean we, which of course I'm not being rejected in this story, but still somehow I was not invested in the process. I let my kid take that over, but oh my God, was I emotionally invested in the outcome. And I definitely got better with each subsequent kid. So it's hard to say, could I have gotten there the first time with all of this great wisdom? But I I do think that having perspective of all of these really intelligent, wise people who have like a different lens to the whole process, it kind of takes away what I hear from them over and over again is that, you know, you can't take it personally. Like it feels so much like you're being rejected when you understand the process, you realize, you know, it's, it's just a business on the college side. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. And I'm, I'm glancing at our list of experts for Destination College and thinking, wow, I really trust him. Oh, I really trust her. Oh, I trust her. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the list and thinking like, yeah, like they have great things to say and you can learn so much and actually act on it. Right. This isn't something where, like you're saying, like you could 
realize, you could say, okay, you know what? This has nothing to do with my kid. They're building a class. Like I remember hearing that for the first time, Sue, when we were doing our live college events. And I think it was, it could have been Case Western. I'm trying to remember. It could have been Rick who said, we're putting a class together. And if my faculty saw that I put everybody together, that the class we built, they all look the same, my faculty would hate me (laughs) because they're trying to teach these kids and have a really unique, diverse experience in that classroom. And so if I'm bringing them all the same kind of kid, that doesn't enhance their experience. And I I remember having that moment. That was one of those where I was like, huh, who knew? Like, who knew that was a thing? I also remember something from that evening, which jumps off of what you were saying, Steph, the institutional goals, how heavily they weigh into the decisions that are being made. So when you layer that on top of getting so many exponentially, like these students who are all fitting into the criteria, so you're applying because you have the right scores, because you have the right GPA, everything about you looks like you could go there. And yet they're looking for somebody who looks a little different than you at that moment. And so, you know, it's just, it really is the same as applying for a job. There's no rationale that can make you feel better, except that it really has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. And you know what, Sue, it reminds me also, I was just saying this to a friend the other day. She has kids who went to school in Florida. And I was saying something about, I was like, no, your kids went relatively far away. She lives on the East Coast. I was like, Florida's kind of far, I guess, you know? And I said, it's really funny because it was making me remember how my kids all started off saying, oh, I'm getting as far away from here as I can. And that kind of hurts. Like when they say that and you're kind of like, ouch, have we made it that bad, right? And trying so hard not to make that personal too. And, you know, in our case, and I'm not saying this is always the case. I'm not saying it's good and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying in our case, our kids all ended up, the farthest one went six hours away, okay? And so I thought it was so interesting to watch them come to what was important to them with each kid and trying not to react to each piece of the process, right? And I wonder, you know, how much of that they say just to get at you. And, you know, it's like everything with parenting, like tone and all these things, like we've been told, like, okay, don't get locked, you know, try and ignore the tone and try like all these things. And it's just, oh, I remember what a dagger that was. Each time, all three of them said it. I want to say that, thank God we have Wendy Mogul coming on to the summit because she is the wisest person and has great advice about how we can navigate those painful moments for ourselves and what they what that kid is actually saying to us. And then my kids all went to college. The furthest distance was also six hours. And now four of them are in Los Angeles. So <laughs> not sure what that means. Okay, we're so excited to share some of these insights with you today in preparation for our Destination College Summit. We can't wait for you to join us. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. 
right. So we have a lot of our experts here today. We want you to hear from them because you're going to hear just a snippet from each one of them and realize that it's just important for you to be at Destination College with your team media. So I'm going to start with Allison Slater-Tate. She's the Director of College Counseling for Lake Mary Preparatory School and a college consultant for Dunbar Educational Consultants. Allison, what is your best piece of advice for parents? You know, as parents, part of our job is to, you know, when they were little, the mantra was, you know, they're like horses. They can smell fear. They know when you're afraid. You can't, you can't be afraid because the toddlers totally know it and totally will vibe off of you. It's the same with teenagers. They vibe off of you. And one thing I've learned from working with teenagers so much is how very influential parents are on the kids and on their mindsets. And if you can stay calm, they will stay calmer. I can't say they'll stay completely calm, but they definitely uh, get their lead from the parents. So what I would say to parents is just try to stay deep breathing exercises. If you're going to freak out, freak out to your friends. Don't freak out to your kid. Try to remember that things work out. They just work out. I'm not going to say that they work out like that everything happens for a reason or that, you know, it's all for the best, but I will say that things work out and kids end up somewhere great for them eventually. So, you know, you're going to get there, try to stay calm and just remember that you have way more influence on your kid than they let you know. And maybe that you remember sometimes in the heat of the moment. Our next expert is Jeff Levy, co-founder of Big J Educational Consulting. So Jeff, what is the most common question you get from parents? Should I apply for financial aid? My answer is in almost all cases, absolutely yes. Here's why. The colleges and universities are by far the largest single source of grants and scholarships. You can't touch it from another source. Yes, there are outside scholarships that high school students can apply for. Doesn't come close to what they will get from the colleges and universities. Last year, unfortunately, only 60% of graduating high school seniors even submitted the form that's required for financial aid, and that's the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So unless you are absolutely sure, beyond any reasonable doubt, that you will not qualify for need-based financial aid, my strong recommendation is to submit the FAFSA and definitely to submit it before the institutional deadlines of the colleges that you are applying to or that your child is applying to. I'm here with Dr. Belinda Wilkerson of Steps to the Future and Vice President of Ethics and Professional Practices for Independent Educational Consultants Association. Dr. Wilkerson, is there anything that parents can do if there is a change in their financial circumstances after they filed the FAFSA? One of the things that you can do is ask each college for what we call professional judgment. This is where the college has the opportunity to look over your changed finances and maybe make a different decision about your financial aid. Now, this is not just someone saying, oh, I, I can't afford to pay for this or I don't want to pay this much. This is where you have to have documentation showing that your financial circumstances have changed. 
quick example, a student of mine, her mom had a, a, a serious illness. It changed the whole financial situation of their family. We were able to put together the documentation to show how the family's finances had changed. We sent this in to the financial aid office of the school that she was attending. And she did receive additional financial aid in order to help her remain in school. Again, professional judgment has to have documentation. So this is where you need to make sure you have the paperwork to show that your family's income has changed for a number of reasons. It could be loss of job. It could be that another family member has moved in with you and you're taking care of them. It could be health reasons. There are multiple reasons, but it is important to know that this is something that is open to families. Again, it's called professional judgment, and it's something that you would pursue with a particular college where you plan on attending. Our next expert, Jeff Salingo, New York Times bestselling author of Who Gets In and Why, A Year Inside College Admission. All right, Jeff, just tell us the truth. Does the essay get read? They don't spend as much time as teenagers spend writing them, drafting them, <laughs> editing them, have hiring essay coaches. Now, that might change a little bit this year. Without the SAT, admissions officers are going to have to lean into a couple of other things. And one of those things might be the essay, but trust me. I've sat in and I read these essays. They're numbingly similar. And that's no offense against teenagers, but you know, you've had 17, 18 years of your life. Um, I also think that too many teenagers worry about what the admissions officer might want to read and they're always guessing. And so the essays are kind of flat and boring. You know, write something, write about something that really interests you, something that happened to you that's just a slice of life. You know, one of the best app, uh, essays that we read at Emory the year I was there was about how this student talked about how they were going to miss home and they wrote it through a de morning debate around orange juice, pulp or no pulp. And that was the lens of the debate, you know, of the of this essay that was really about going away to school and missing home and missing this kind of kind of, you know, a debate that might people might see as kind of ridiculous, but this whole idea of pulp and no pulp. It was just a kind of an interesting slice of life story well-written that people remember. Our next guest, John Bockenstead, Vice Provost of Enrollment Management at Oregon State University, who, by the way, is cited in every book ever written about college admissions. Here's your question. What should we think about when looking for a good college fit? Well, I would say um, uh, that's a great question. And, and, and I sort of want to say graduation rates are absolutely not the thing you want to look at because you can predict graduation rates based on the input of the class. It's I have a blog post on higher ed data stories that talks about graduation rates are an input, not an output. And that's a hard thing for people to get their heads around. Wait, can but you tell I, me what that means? I don't know what that means. Yeah, it means if you look at one single variable, you can predict uh, that college's six-year graduation rate with about 90% accuracy. What's and the variable? It's freshman SAT average scores. And if you think about the SAT as being a proxy for how white and Asian, how college educated and how wealthy the incoming class is, it makes perfect sense. You know, and there's, So it's there's, not because you're thinking that that test is so valuable. For a single student, the SAT or ACT is um, essentially worthless in predicting anything of value for college admissions officers. Colleges have known this since the mid-60s. 
when they started doing research on it. I would say, um, you know, the important thing is, um, does that institution offer an academic program that fits with your interest and your um, temperament and your personality? Is it something, you know, is it, so is it a Sarah Lawrence, for instance, or is it an MIT, right? Two very fine institutions, but very different orientations toward education. It would be unlikely that many students would be equally happy at both of those places. I would say um, size is an important factor. And I would say um, a bunch of things that you would roll into climate, campus climate. Is it liberal or conservative? Are there a lot of fraternities and sororities or no fraternities and sororities? Is there um, a social consciousness that lines up with your values and your perspectives? Is there, um, you know, an approach toward education that you find valuable? Some places don't have grades, for instance, and a lot of students love that idea and that, that concept. So it's really more the softer and the nebulous things. Um, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? All of those temperament and personality issues come into play. Our next expert is Julie Lithcott-Hames, author of How to Raise an Adult and her soon-to-be-released book, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. All right, Julie, what's the damage when we helicopter parent? First of all, let me admit, acknowledge, there's a short-term win or gain when we overparent. When we're overprotective, we keep them more safe. When we're fiercely directive, aka tiger type, forcing them down a path, conditioning our love upon how well they execute our plans for their life, they typically follow that path and it looks like they're making progress and are successful. They never get a zero or a hurt feeling or a scraped knee, you know, because we're sort of always there. So short-term win or short-term gain, long-term pain. The long-term pains are these. First of all, they lack life skills. They've never filled out a form. They've never had a conversation with an authority figure. They've never tracked their own deadlines. They've never had to remember to bring their stuff because we've always kind of rescued them. So they literally don't have the skill. And now they're chronologically adult, but they behave in ways that are still sort of childlike. Number two, that then becomes a problem in terms of workplace skills. They're not ready to interact with a boss, a set of colleagues. They really don't know how to complete tasks without a parent reminding them and maybe nudging them and maybe kind of partly handling the task for them. And finally, the greatest harm is to their mental health. Research shows that this over-parenting style is interrupting the natural development of self-efficacy, which is this really important base level sense that we all have to have to be healthy and well. We need to know of our own existence and we learn of our own existence by seeing when I act, there's an outcome. Whether the outcome is good or bad is immaterial. The point is our psyche needs to see the causation. I act, there's a result. When we overparent, we're interrupting the development of self-efficacy, which leads to higher rates of anxiety and depression, which of course we're seeing spiking in children and adolescents and young adults. So we are harming their mental health. A lot of people joke, well, I'd rather have my kid, you know, and I'd rather have them depressed at Yale than happy at some state school. And wow. I think, really, 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 have you really seen depression up close? Yeah. Have you seen anxiety? Is that what you actually want for your child? How how insecure is your ego that you need that outcome for your kid so badly that you're willing to compromise their mental health? And our final guest, Wendy Mogul. I am a massive fan of Wendy Mogul. In fact, I've actually gotten personal parenting advice live when I didn't really ask for it. 
and it changed my life. So thank you, Wendy Mogul. Wendy Mogul, author, clinical psychologist, and host of a new podcast called Nurture Versus Nurture. Do you have any suggestions for how we can deal with our kids' emotions? When I talk about teenage boys, I say treat them as though they are an exchange student from Kazakhstan, and you're very interested in the ways of this different culture, and you're interested in being educated about it. And for the girls, it's your visiting niece from a distant state. So you don't really, she's the daughter of your, your least favorite sister. You don't care about her that much. And all of this is to insert some distance from your role as having to save them from their deep emotions, or again, as I said before, their anguish. Next question, Wendy, how do we keep our sanity? It's extremely important to take care of ourselves right now. And everyone is saying this and it's just become a kind of shallow platitude, but it's vital. And that means getting away from these people you're locked up with. And it may mean even saying, I need to take, somebody wants to go on a walk with you and you need to go on that walk by yourself. Or you need some time to watch something that is your low-level pleasure on TV without the group. We need to figure out how to make space within the cloister and also at the same time to be deeply grateful for the shelter that we have. At your teen, we are always committed to making sure that we offer advice that reduces your anxiety. And this is no different with Destination College. Our goal is to take an experience that is fraught with high emotions, high stakes, and really what feels like not enough information and give you that sense that you can master this without all the tension, without all the anxiety in your house. Not to say that we're gonna eliminate all of it. There's some inherent in making this big move, but these experts are gonna give you rock solid advice that's going to change the process for you and the tone in your home. If you wanna register, check out the show notes. The link is in there. You can also find us at our website. We'll have information there on our Facebook page. Everywhere we are, everywhere you know and love us, check us out because all the information is gonna be there to sign up for Destination College, a comprehensive course for navigating the college process. Thanks for joining us for Your Teen with Sue and Steph. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. Also, if you want to receive our newsletter, head on over to yourteenmag.com. Your Teen with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. If you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review or send the episode to a friend. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.